hold on to your horses, wait for the explanation. I'm going to make a claim and then I'm going to back it up. All Christians are Catholics. I know, I know where you're going. I know where your head's at. Okay, don't, just let me explain. Let me explain my thought process. Now, Christianity, at least modern day Christianity, um, the Protestant Christians, ever since the Protestant Reformation, thanks to uh, Martin Luther, All Christians, and I'm not saying this in an, in an insulting way. I'm not saying this in a lording it over anybody way. I'm saying this eventually as part of my revolution that I'm attempting to make within the Catholic Church. So, as I see it, all Christianity, uh, maybe not every single aspect of the newer denominations as of today, but all Christianity essentially comes from Catholicism, right? So before the Protestant Reformation, everybody was Catholic. Now, you have the Eastern Orthodox Church that argues that they were first, um, and then you have the Catholic Church that argues that they were first. I believe that the Catholic Church was first. And um, and so, that's where I'm getting this from. And and who was first matters. Again, I'm going to go back to the the Bible to, was it John? I think it was John and Mark, and it could be Matthew as well, where Christ said to St. Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, not churches. Uh, he didn't say I will build my church upon which there will be multiple denominations. I argue that anybody that believes in Jesus Christ is a Christian and that the original church is the Catholic Church. So I'm saying a lot of this explanation in order not to make you pissed off and not want to listen to me anymore, or at least not want to listen to this part. The Catholic Church ain't so bad, and I believe it's worth fighting for. I believe that it's worth defending. And it's worth attempting to revolutionize back to its original form and to purge all of the evil that has infiltrated it. Purge that out. And so that's what I'm attempting to do right now. I'm attempting to recruit all Christians into the Catholic Church. It's not going to, seemingly, it's not going to change by those who are in the higher positions. We're talking the bishops and the archbishops, the cardinals and the pope. Does not seem to be that they are going to, on their own, change the church. Um, it seems as though the those who hold higher positions within the church are... Are, there's a, certainly a liberal movement that's happening. I don't know where I'm going right now. I'm going to have to figure this one out. But there's a liberal liberal control within the church, as in the majority of, of uh, the hierarchy of the church who hold the higher positions are liberal. And uh, the, Catholic, I'm sorry, the conservatives within the church, um, their voices, well, it's not to say that they aren't fighting back or that they aren't, Vocal. It's to say that 
their voices are being snuffed out. As I've made the claim before, it's that conservative priests um, lose their faculties and get fired, where the liberal, especially the hebephiles or pedophiles, get transferred. And that is a disgusting thing that's happening within the church. And I refer back to Michael Gorris, a church militant, um, as to their research that they've done on the church itself. Sorry for the noise that you're about to hear. i got to find my way out of this, out of where I'm at. And so I want to hopefully revitalize the church in bringing back the members of the church. Arguably, and this is my argument, the higher-ups aren't going to change it. That's up to us. They're afraid of the liberal left across the globe. They're afraid of what they will say to them what they'll say about them. They'll call them racists and Islamophobes and uh, homophobes and all these other phobias and ists. Well, I'm fine being called all those damn things, especially if their new definition is me, being somebody who isn't ashamed of being white, who isn't ashamed of being Christian, who isn't ashamed to say that everybody else is going to go to hell except for those that believe in in Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of those things. And so now they've redefined a a white supremacist as somebody who is white and who, um, or white nationalist, white supremacist, as somebody who's white and is proud of their country and is uh, conservative or center-right. So that's their new, their new definition. So now they're going to paint me as that. I'm fine with that. I'll take, dude. I I got picked on when I was younger by a lot of people. Uh, them fucking throwing shade at me and uh, calling me all those names. That doesn't even affect me in the least. So they can call me all that shit they want. I'm not afraid of it. And I'm going to stand up to it, and I know you will too. And I need your help when it comes to, especially for those of us who are Christians. People attacking the church and doing what they can to down on it and uh, and destroy it, that affects all Christianity. Um, People going after the Baptist church, and again, this isn't trying to lord over anyone. It's not trying to diminish um, the credibility of, of Baptists or Presbyterians or Lutherans or anything like that. It's not trying to lord it over them or say, you know, oh, we're better one up anyone. I'm trying to bring order to to Christ's church. Again, I believe it's worth fighting for. So I'm going to explain some things about the Catholic Church. Uh, explain away some hearsays that we've got going on against us. And, uh, and, and some things that maybe you've heard before. And I'm going to go into, basically right now, the, the first argument against Catholics that I've heard the most, which is hearsay. And that is that we pray, or I'm sorry, that we worship angels and saints because we pray to them. Now, pray, to pray, means to speak. I believe it's either Arabic, no, no, I'm sorry, not Arabic, it's either Aramaic or Greek, and it means to pray. Now, as I say that, um, yes, we do pray to saints, and we do pray to, um, and a saint is anybody who has died who's in heaven. Um, you, they went through purgatory, and I know people don't believe in purgatory. Um, man, I'm 
forget the verse right now, but it's in the New Testament. And by the way, everything that I'm about to talk about is in the Bible. You can find it in the Bible. It's described in the Bible. How's, how about this for a perfect example? The Hail Mary. Um, Catholics, we know the, the Hail Mary very well, or at least we should. Uh, we pray the rosary, and this is uh, the subject for contention uh, amongst Protestants. This is where they believe that we worship Mary. We don't worship Mary at all. It has never been a saint. We have never worshipped Mary. We have never worshipped uh, the saints. We have never worshipped angels. Listen to the prayers that we have. If ever somebody um, says in a prayer, I worship, you know, whatever angel or whatever saint, that is not Catholic. That is devil worship. You cannot worship as a, you cannot be a Catholic and claim to worship anything other than Jesus, our God. That's it. That's all you can do. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, that's the only thing that we worship. We don't worship anything else. Now, we might pray to somebody else, and this is my argument for that. And, uh, in fact, I have a very nice Protestant lady that that's, um, we, uh, disagreed and uh, had discussions about this a little bit, and she's wanted me to bring up uh, verses. Now, I don't have my Bible in front of me. I'm actually driving. But you know well that Christ said to pray for your enemies. That is him. Christ, when he asks you to pray for your enemies and to forgive them, he's asking for you to do something. He's asking for you to intercede for your enemies. And so when we pray to saints or angels, we're asking just for their help. We're not we're not saying that we're worship we're not saying that we're worshiping them, and we are not worshiping them. Okay, I want to make that very, very clear. Catholics do not worship saints or angels. We only worship the Holy Trinity. We only worship God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to break down a couple of things. I'm going to break down the Hail Mary. Um, I'll say the prayer first, and then I'll break it down. The prayer is, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Now, in any of that, did you hear me worship her? Now, you might claim that saying Hail Mary is in somehow, some way, putting her up on a pedestal that's at the same level as God. It's not. Hail Mary actually comes from uh, Roman times. To hail somebody is not to worship them. It is to uh, call for their attention. And um, not only that, the bigger point that I would make out of that is, and I believe it's in, I think it's Matthew and John. Maybe no, no, I'm sorry. It's uh, Matthew, Mark. I think it's Matt. It's Matthew and Luke that have the two, the, narr- uh, the nativity narratives. The angel Gabriel goes to Mother Mary, and that's the first thing that he says to her: "Hail Mary, full of grace." So that's the first part of the, the prayer: "Hail Mary, full of grace." That it's just a reiteration. It's what the angel Gabriel said to Mother Mary. So he says, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. He says that entire thing. Now, the second part, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. That part is also in the Bible. The first part's in the Bible. That second part's in the Bible as well. The person that says that second part is Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. When Mary shows up, 
um, during the visitation, where she spends three months with her cousin Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist, um, also an act of God. Um, Elizabeth was barren, and her husband, Zachariah, he, uh, the angel Gabriel visited him first and told him that his wife was going to conceive, and they were to name him John the Baptist, and Zechariah didn't believe him. Now, there's a difference between what happens, the interaction between what happens with Zechariah and Gabriel and Mother Mary and Gabriel, because I've wondered about this too. Zechariah doesn't believe it. Mother Mary is asking why. It's an actual inquiry where when Zechariah asks him a question, it's because he doesn't believe. So he asks him, how, how can this happen because my wife is barren? So he doesn't believe the process. Mother Mary asks, how can this be, not understanding and not knowing how, but an actual inquiry into how will this take place? I am a virgin. I've never been with a man. How can I become pregnant? And then he comes in to say that the, that, um, the Heavenly Father will overshadow you and you will conceive. Um, and there's no, by the way, there's no physical sex or anything like that that the atheists will claim. Um, we believe in. No, we believe in in, in um, him uh, overshadowing her, not physically having sex with her. This isn't a Zeus and a, a procreation act that um, resulted in Hercules. Jesus Christ is not a demigod. Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God. So you have Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. That is from Gabriel. It's in the Bible. The reiteration. And then the second reiteration is, um, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. That comes from Elizabeth. So those two parts of the first half of the prayer are in the Bible. The rest of it is asking for intercession. There is no worship anywhere in this. So I'm going to say it again. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Holy Mary, because she was found holy enough to have the Son of God. And this is important, and this is where I went to Israel. Sure. Nobody answers when I try calling the first time. Everybody's got to call while I'm doing my damn podcast. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to say the prayer one more time. And just to show you, there's no worship anywhere in there. It's reiteration in the first half and a um, an, uh, call for an intercession in the second part. And also, if you if any word of, anyone were to claim that saying Holy Mary is somehow putting her on a pedestal, it's not. And this actually comes into play when I talk about Israel, um, the land of Israel, and why I absolutely do not ever want it to be occupied by Muslims is because it was God's chosen land. There's something about it that is special to God, and therefore I will always respect it. And uh, and that's why I I would rather the Jews be there than the Muslims, and I never want the Muslims to be there. Um, shit, where was I going with that? Oh, and uh, and saying Holy Mary. Well, Mary was chosen amongst all women ever throughout all of history to be the Mother of God. There's something special about her, and I'm okay with that. Uh, and so yeah, I call her holy because God chose her. It's a holy choosing. It's a, a direct divine intervention through a human being. So, yes, I'm going to hold her up 
as the mother of God and as holy. I'm not worshiping her. So, here goes the prayer one, one last time. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of death. Boom, there it is. There's no worship in there ever. And so, I think people that that maybe at once thought that we worshipped Mary through saying that prayer, um, you can see now that that is just hearsay. That somebody else's interpretation of something that we do, and I just explained it to you fully, there's no lying in there, there's no deception. I've explained it to you as it is. You can look up every bit of it. Here's the other part. This is the last prayer that we say on the rosary. Now, when it comes to the rosary, we say that one prayer 53 times. We say it three times in the beginning and then the five decades for each mystery uh, that's prayed. We pray, we pray five uh, mysteries um, on the rosary every day. Uh, let's see, I'll, I'll explain the rosary real quick. On, and by the way, in praying the rosary, one, you're asking for Mary's intercession 54 times because of the last prayer that we pray. And you're also acknowledging and remembering um, the different things that happened to God uh, and Jesus that were important. Um, let's see, it's Mondays and Saturdays are the joyful mysteries. And the five mysteries would be the Annunciation of God being one, the Visitation of, of Mary with Elizabeth being two, the Nativity being number three, the Presentation in the Temple being number four, and the Finding in the Temple being number five. Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays are the Sorrowful Mysteries, where we reflect on the Passion of the Christ. So you have the, um, the Agony in the Garden being number one, the Scourging at the Pillar being number two, the Crowning with Thorns being Three, the carrying of the cross being number four, and the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ being number five. On what days am I missing? Uh, Wednesdays and Sundays we pray the glorious mysteries, which be, which would be the resurrection of the Lord. I'm sorry, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, being number one, the ascension into heaven being number two, the descent of the Holy Spirit being number three the Assumption of Mary being number four, and the Coronation of Mary as Queen of Heaven being number five. Now, I'll, dis I'll discuss that here in a minute. That's prayed on Wednesdays and on Sundays. On Thursday, which is the fun one, uh, not that any of them aren't. In fact, uh, the Sorrowful Mysteries are my favorite to, to pray. Thursdays are the Luminous Mysteries. Uh, the Luminous Mysteries will be not the Illuminati, the Luminous Mysteries. Um, Arguably, the Illuminati uh, usurped the the understanding of what illumination means by taking it as their name. Why? Because their god, Satan, is the uh, called the light bearer, the light bearer among many other names that he has, which is why he's also known as Prometheus. Um, on Thursdays, we pray the luminous mysteries being. The baptism in the Jordan being number one, the wedding in Cana being number two, the proclamation of the kingdom of God being number three, the transfiguration being number four, and the institution of the Eucharist being number five. So let's get back to the the, uh, the glorious mysteries, and the last two, the Assumption of Mary, which is basically that she was taken up into heaven, and then uh, and there shouldn't be really any, anything about worship or anything like that, anything negative that can be put on that. If there is, leave me a voicemail or a voice message, and I'll talk about it. 
But the coronation of Mary, where does this come from? It actually comes from the book of Revelations. The book of Revelations talks about the mother of God uh, being seen with a crown of 12 stars, one representing each apostle of Jesus. Again, uh, a godly number is the number 12. The Illuminati um, wishes to take on an extra because they think somehow, some way that that's stronger. So they take on the number 13. That's why you have Friday the 13th. Uh, you have the 13th floors that people believe is unlucky. Um, the Illuminati, the devil worshippers, Luciferians, Lucifer himself thought uh, to take on an extra number than 12 and um, and that that would somehow, some way make them stronger. So uh, Mother Mary wears a crown of 12 stars. She has a robe. Uh, made out of the sun, and she's standing on the moon. She has, uh, and I don't know if this is where the term moon boots come from, but she was given moon, I'm sorry, she was given shoes or sandals made of the moon to her by God. So all of that is in the book of Revelation. Again, there's no worshiping that's happening. No. It is, uh, it is reiteration of the Bible. I'll, uh, I'll give you a couple of different other prayers that we tend to pray, especially in the rosary and at mass. You have the Our Father, which everybody should know. It's Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from evil. Um, another problem that I have with the Pope, or at least a story that I heard of what the Pope wanted to do, Pope Francis, the Pope that's in office now, is that he wanted to change uh, the Our Father. He wanted to change the end of it, um, where he said, where we say, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. He wanted to leave that part out, lead us into temptation, because he argues that God would never lead us into temptation. Well, my argument is, Jesus Christ told us how to pray. You don't get to tell us how not to. So hopefully that story is not true. There's a lot of stories that come out about the Pope that aren't true, and there's a few that are. So um, it's it's important to differentiate between the, the truth and what's not the truth. And it's not that I want to give him anything, although I do. I, I hope that the Pope is going is is uh, his heart's in the right place. He wants to be going to finish the rest of this tonight. After uh, I'm almost done with my drive anyway. But good Lord, calls galore. Any hizzle. Um. Oh shit, where was I at? Oh, um, yeah, so the, the Pope wanted to change that. I disagree with that. And uh, and I hope that he has his heart in the right place. That he wants to lead the, the Catholic Church back to greatness and make the Catholic Church great again. Um, there is some doubt that I have in that. Uh, I've seen some stuff that I don't like so much, and a lot of people don't know where to stand when it comes to the Pope, if, he, if he's a part of... I mean, the, the Catholic Church has a serious... One, he's a Jesuit. They're not supposed to be even considered to be Pope, um, and I didn't think we're allowed to be it, hold any higher um, echelon title in the church as a bishop, archbishop, cardinal, any of those things. Um, there's a lot of people that, that question him, and there's a lot of people in the Catholic Church uh, that question the Pope as well. I just don't know about him, and that's where I have to stand. I just don't know about him. I don't know if I can absolutely claim that he is uh, he is for the destruction of the church, and I don't know if I can absolutely claim that he's for the, the building up of the church. So that's where I stand. I just, I pray that he 
he is of God, but there is a serious liberal um, stronghold in the Catholic Church that is is running the show right now, and it is it is it is destroying the church. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So there's the Our Father. We also have the Glory Be, Glory Be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. That is worship. That is worship that is giving glory to God and no one else throughout all of history, all of time. Um, oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls in heaven, especially those most need thy mercy. Again, worship. Um, I don't know the prayers to like right off the top of my head. Um, to the saints or the angels, but I can tell you it's all asking for intervention. There is no worship. Uh, prayers to God are always of worship, so there's a massive difference there. Um, I'll get into the last prayer of the rosary, which is, um, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, our hope. To you do we cry, for banished children of Eve. To you we send up our sighs, mourning, weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, O most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of your womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Now in this one, I can see somebody's interpretation being that of a negative interpretation um, in arguing a few things in there. Why do we send our sighs, mourning, weeping to her and not to God? I mean, this is kind of the age-old argument that even non-practicing Christians have used about not going to church. We'll start off. Hail Holy Queen. Again, Holy Queen, we believe her to be the Queen of of, uh, Heaven. She's the Mother of God. Uh, It's even said in in, um, Revelation, like like I said, about um, her... uh, not canonizing um, her becoming queen of heaven it's in revelation Uh, where was the other part of that hail the queen mother of mercy our life our sweetness and our hope how that is supposed to be said is hail holy queen mother mother of mercy our mother of our life mother of our sweetness and mother of our hope that's how it's, it's it's said but it sounds different it sounds, and I can see how somebody would take this in a different way, is that we're calling her um, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. And even in that sense, uh, it's under the understanding that um, our life would be that she gave birth to God, who is our life. So there is a, it's not a double entendre, it's a double, double meaning to it where she is the mother of our life. Again, this is not worship. We are not worshiping her in this prayer. We never do worship Mary. Mary's, Mary's cool. We like Mary. She is the, uh, the, the mother of God. She was brave in a fearful time. I mean, who is ready for God to come up and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to pick you to be one of the most important people throughout all of history, and you're going to do something that's going to be both the greatest thing that you've ever done, but also the hardest thing you've ever done. She had to watch her son be tortured publicly and and um, ridiculed and sentenced to death. She had to watch her own son be tortured and killed on a cross. That's fucking difficult. 
Okay. Uh, I, and it's not to say that she did anything wrong. I would, I wouldn't be able to do what she did. I wouldn't be able to stand back because Christ told her, I have to do this. This is a part of it. You were told this. I have to do this. And it's what he told her when he fell the second time with the cross on his back after he had been scourged to the point of, I don't know if you know what scourging is. It's not just beating somebody up. They took uh, these reeds that had these sharp barbs at the end of them and whipped him to the point where he was missing flesh. If you want to see a pretty good indication of what happened to him, watch the movie The Passion of the Christ when they scourge him at the pillar. Um, and even that wasn't as bad as it actually was. There are some arguments that he was beaten so badly that you couldn't tell if he was a male anymore, which means that they even went after his groin with these things. They tore him literally to shreds. And, uh, and when he fell in from his mom, he fell the second time carrying the cross. He said to her, I have to do this. You have to let me do this. He said it to the women that were following too. They, he said it to his own apostles before it all went down. You, you have got to let me do this. This is a part of what it is. This is a part of, of uh, showing the glory of God. This is a part of, of my glory is to go through this. It was a part of it. He had to suffer for our sins in order to crush sin, to crush death. And he did it for us out of love. It is the prime definition of what love is. And so, um, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Uh, we're not putting our hope into her. It's the mother of all of these things. And the hope of what um, is promised and, and her being a catalyst for these things. So, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To you do we send up our sighs, mourning, and prayers. Wait, to, you, to you do we send up our sighs, mourning, and tears. We're not sending them up in a worshiping fashion. This goes back to Rome, again, with just like with, with saying, Hail, Holy Queen. This is a Roman thing that was done. This is a uh, declaration of our um, asking uh, for her intercession. Um, to you do we send up our sighs, mourning, and weeping. We're sending them up to, uh, they, call her, they call it also in Rome, the Queen Mother. It's what they would do with Caesar. Uh, they would imply of the, the Mother Queen, the Queen Mother of the Mother Queen, one of the, I can't remember which title it is, but it's the Mother of Caesar. They, they implore her to have her son help them. Does that make sense? And that's where we get it from. We're, we're Roman Catholics, by the way. Um, and that's where that comes from. We are asking for her intercession. So, yes, we pray directly to God, but we also send up our sighs, mourning, and weeping, not tears, sorry, sighs, mourning, and weeping, to uh, the Queen Mother, to the Mother of Jesus, to uh, implore, to have her implore her son to forgive us our sins and um, and do all the things that he promised us. Um the rest of that go. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Do you do we cry, poor men, children of Eve? Do you do we sit up our sighs, mourning, weeping in this valley of tears? Turn the most merciful, like, turn the most, oh, I'm starting to forget stuff. It's like when you need to remember something and you start to forget it. Turn the most, oh man, turn the almost. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Do you do we cry, poor men, children of Eve? To you do we set up our sighs, mourning, weeping, in this valley of tears. Tell them the most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy towards us, and after this, our exile, shown to us the blessed fruit of your womb, Jesus. 
O Clement, the loving and sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. So that's all imploring. That's all asking for her intercession. None of it is worship. people who aren't Catholic, and maybe some that are, might have a hard time with, the Nicene Creed. Um, I'll go, I'll pray it, or I'll say it, I'll pray it, and then uh, I'll break it down. Uh, I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell on the third day, rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From thence he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. The hard part in all of that, you might have picked up on it, is the um, part where it says, and he descended into hell. That is taken, oh man, I don't know the year that it, um, probably a thousand years ago maybe. So maybe around uh, the year 10,000 A.D. Could have been 1,200 in the 1200s when they developed this prayer. Um, so you have to take that into context, into context, as you would pretty much anything from the Bible, right? You have to take into context when it was and what was happening. There's a fellow by the name of Aaron Ra. I think it's A-R-O-N and then R-A. And this is a fairly popular YouTube atheist who looks like a, a fellow from the late 80s, early 90s hair metal band guys. Um, that's not to try and shit on him or anything. It's just what he looks like. He's fairly goth. Maybe, uh, I, I believe he's just an atheist. Maybe agnostic. Anyhow. Anyhow. Anyway. Anyway. Um, he, he asked uh, anybody that follows them on Twitter that was uh, Christian to come up with their best prophecy that was fulfilled. And um, while also, I believe, and this is all through a video of someone else that I had saw um, about him. Now, I knew who he was. He had debated, I think, Kent Hovind. I think maybe he might have debated uh, Dr. William Lane Craig. But anyway, um, he makes arguments like uh, the Bible talks about all fish in the sea. I'm sorry, a whale in the Bible. So this would be Jonah being swallowed up by a whale, and they call it a fish. And, uh, and he points that out and saying, see, the Bible's inaccurate because it calls a whale a fish. when we all know that a whale is a mammal. Uh, true. I can see your point, but your point is null and void being that this is back before modern-day science. This is back before science was even uh, a, a thing that we understood as it is today when the classifications of mammals and fish and bird and fowl and all that were really uh, uh, separated and categorized. And so a fish back in those days was anything that was in the sea, a, uh, a squid or a, a shrimp 
uh, uh, a crab, a lobster, these would all be considered fish because they were in the sea. See what I mean? You have to take into consideration the context of the time um, when when people were talking about things. I mean, it's, it's not like we discovered or we, we had these writings last year and people were calling them fish. Um, that's also to argue that before modern-day science, you had the three wise men. The three wise men were all astro- or, uh, astrologists. They studied the stars, but they didn't, they didn't label themselves as uh, scientists or astrologists. All of that being said, that's what brings me back to in, in trying to dis- uh, describe or explain the part in the Nicene Creed in which it says, and he descended into hell, talking about Jesus. What its meaning is, is that Jesus went to the, the world of the dead, so those who had died. So he went to an area where there were souls who hadn't been taken up to heaven because um, the prophecies say that all will hear um, the word of truth. All will hear, and and I believe even Christ said it, I'd have to look up the verse, I don't know which one it is, um, that all souls will hear the truth. All souls will hear of um, me. So he had to go to where all the dead souls, everybody who had died up until his point, were, and proclaim the kingdom of God to them as well. And that's what the three days are. He didn't go down to uh, the burning pits, the, and by the way, hell is described as a whole bunch of different things. You've got the bottomless pit, you've got, um, I guess what people would describe as limbo, you've got the lake of burning fire got a whole bunch of different uh, descriptions of what we understand as hell today uh, that's in the Bible. And um, he went to a place where all souls were in order to proclaim the kingdom of God. And so that's what that part means. It doesn't mean that he went to hell because he was bad or something like that. That's not what that means. It means that he, on purpose, after dying, went and and uh, uh, spread his message of redemption um, and reconciliation to the souls who had already passed. Because, and it goes into what a lot of atheists' arguments are of, say that today there's a group of people, like, I don't know, the pygmies or something, that have never heard of Jesus. No one ever came and told them, and not just them, but let's say back then, um, that as he was spreading his message around Jerusalem, there were people in China still, there were people in North America, there were people in South America, right? So people across vast seas and lands that wouldn't have had the ability to hear about him. And so the question that atheists say are, well, are those people condemned to hell? And they tend to take the side of, well, you know, that's what you Christians say, is that they're condemned to hell, even though they didn't have the ability to hear Jesus at that time. No, that's not what it is. And even Jesus, oh, I think John, I think I just read it in John, where he talked about the law and those who haven't had the law uh, explained to them 
cannot be held accountable to the law necessarily in the sense of uh, holding them accountable to the rules um, as to what sin is and what sin isn't and, uh, and holding them to the same measure which they would measure out against or which he would measure out and judge against the Pharisees and Sadducees and the, uh, the high priests of Judaism at that time. Um, and, it, and it applies to those who had already died um, you know, centuries before, that those people didn't have the ability to have the word spread to them. You know, a baby that was born into the Philistines um, and who died isn't condemned to hell because they're not held to the same standards. They didn't have the standards given to them. And, uh, and it goes also into the idea of judgment and what will happen. We are told, especially in Revelations and in the, in the, uh, the four canonical books, that Jesus will be the judge of all uh, as all of our acts and all of our works are kept in uh, books. Uh, Revelations uh, speaks specifically of this, that there are many books, uh, the most important being the book of life, and if your name will be wrote in that or not. And that's what we all attain to. So that is the Nicene Creed and uh, the explanation of that for people who aren't Catholic um, who may have heard hearsays that we, that, in that prayer in that part specifically that might be hard for people to um, get on board with. By now you've probably understood that this is a fairly broken up episode. Um, which is kind of how, how I've done it. I've, I've done it over three days now. Yeah, roughly three days. All of that being said, the main theme is to my argument, to my point, uh, and again, not to lord it over anyone or to um, mislead anyone or hurt anyone. And by all means, if you disagree or um, you've got something that you want to say about what it is or, or maybe even bring up a hearsay, you know of about Catholicism, leave me a voice message. Um, email me at uh, me TV one one zero five. That's M is in Mary E TV is in television one one zero five at gmail dot com. Me me TV eleven o five at gmail dot com. Uh, Twitter at J Merchada. That's J M is in Mary U R C H A D is in dog H A on Twitter, um, and then on Facebook, just my name, John, spelled traditionally, J-O-H-N, uh, Omerchada, O apostrophe, M-U-R-C-H-A-D-H-A. Uh, and just let me know your thoughts. Um, let me know any arguments that you might have. Uh, I'm more than willing to discuss it. And so the main theme is that we're all Catholic. But that would also if I'm following that train of thought and saying that all Christians are Catholic, then I would also have to argue that all Catholics slash all Christians are all Jewish. Why would I say that? Well, because the guy that we follow, the, the God that we believe in being Jesus Christ was the perfect Jew. So if he's Jew and we want to be like him, then that would argue that we all want to be Jewish. Now, that's not me trying 
to get us to go over to solely Judaism. That's the argument that I make when I say that Christians are Judeo-Christians and not, um, not to fall in line and, in fact, argue with both Owen Benjamin and Box Day, who don't like that term. They don't like that title. And I understand it. I'm fine with that. I'm not trying to um, you know, necessarily shit on them. But uh, it is to say that that is why I call myself a Judeo-Christian. It's because Judaism is in our roots, which would also argue, if we're going to take it all the way, would argue that we're Hebrew. We are God's people to follow the lineage all the way back to Adam and Eve, who would be the first creation who fell. And, uh, and that's why Jesus came. It's because the first, I'm sorry, not the first creation, but the first man uh, being being um, Adam uh, and having fell. And Jesus came through to perfect everything. That's why he came as fully man and also fully God in order to save us from the sins that our original parents um, opened the door to. They opened the door and we couldn't close it. And the cold air of sin came into the room and it covered all of us. So when you also have people that um, that have a problem with Catholics who say that we were all born in original sin, it's not like we're saying that the, the babies committed sin or anything like that. It's just that if you take a room, like the example that I've used before, if you take a room where it's warm on the inside and you and it's cold on the outside and you open the door and you can't close it, well, that cold air is coming in. It's touching everybody, whether they like it or not. And that's just how it was. The original mother and father sinned, and it opened the door to sin and to death. That spread all over. That spread everywhere. And, um, and whether we like it or not, that's what it is. And by the way, God's a loving God. He's not this uh, uh, vengeful, hateful, you know, I don't know, bigot, sexist, homophobe, all these things that the liberals say that he is, um, or at least the, the portrait that they try to paint of him. He is a loving God, and it's just like the point that I made about those who didn't have the gospel proclaimed to him, and that's it gospel but will be proclaimed to everyone everyone will hear of god and i go a step further in that in saying that everyone will be given all information at the time of judgment when um it's time to say yes or no it's time to make the ultimate decision as to if you're going to love god or if you're going to want to be in hell which is a place without god without love um, is there anything else? I think that was, that's it for the most part. I think I'll probably end up making another episode at some other time. Um, again, if you have any disagreements, any arguments, anything that you'd like to say to me, please leave a voicemail, a voicemail, a voice message on this, uh, or get a hold of me at Twitter, um, email, Facebook, any of those fun things, funds, any of those funds things that you want to do. And uh, until then, be accountable, be responsible, don't be liberal.